The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And good Friday morning. And welcome to an end of the week edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station, WTJXFM. It's a beautiful day in paradise. I think we're going to call the, the weather service so we can have a quick conversation with them so they can let us know what's up for the weekend. We got the power hour um, in the early part of the show. And then we got uh, two princesses from Department of Health, uh, Doctors Hunt Caesar and Ellis. Uh, joining us uh, in our number two for obvious reasons. Even though, even though we're bending, we're bending back the ratio. Um, over the last two days, I didn't get into the numbers yesterday with respect to COVID because you know we had Arts Thursday and we're talking to a lot of good people with the eight one C studio, uh, Lisa Garvey, yeah, my good friend um, Nate Bishop. But uh, we're gonna be talking with the. Uh, popping the health in our number two. Um, so looking forward to speaking uh, with uh, Dr. Sister Ellis and Ty Camille Hunt. She is uh, the notorious TCHC. Our number one, of course, you know, the power hour. We normally do that the first Friday of the month, but the first Friday of this month uh, was parade for the cheer and them. And then, of course, last week we had some run ins. So we're going to knock it out in the middle of the month. We got a weather service. We got the weather service on the line. I got to change my accent and speak properly now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm kind of anxious to hear your previous accent. (laughs) We got my good friend, Mr. Walter Snell, from the weather service down in San Juan. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. We're good here. Beautiful weather in the territory right about now. Is the same down in San Juan? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I, w- I uh, walked outside just before the sun came up, and it was mostly clear. Uh, a few little patches of clouds gracing El Junque, and uh, not much more for you all. Um, did see uh, some um, patches of clouds across the area, uh, especially approaching St. Croix, and a few little um, puffs in, in, in ribbons. Uh, that that are going across, but no rain. Uh, we did have some rain north of the area uh, over our Atlantic waters, but that would be for Puerto Rico. What is exactly perfect conditions? Would it be partly cloudy? Oh, that's a personal opinion. Some people like rain, <laughs> <laughs> especially if they've been de- dealing with a drought. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, uh, under normal conditions where you're not in a drought, You've been getting the rain and all that stuff. Uh, would, would would clear and cool be uh, ideal conditions, or would partly cloudy so you can get some 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 I shade think from the a sun? Movie out. Uh, it's a very old movie. Maybe Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. I like it hot. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so personal. Everyone you're right. has their you're favorite right. weather. You're right. Uh, you're right. Maybe you should have a call-in session. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, my, my audience they pick up on everything. Have people so people tell you what their their yeah, favorite weather I'll, is. I'm looking. I'm looking for the text messages. They're gonna let me know. For me, for me, it's 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 uh it's partly cloudy, 
um, okay. with some, mm-hmm. with, with you know, with some some shade, and then of course, yeah. um, you you want you want some of the vitamins from the ultraviolet rays from the sun, so you get that. You know what I'm saying? A little, a little, not too much of one thing. My personal favorite is watching thunderstorms grow over the water uh, north of the island. North, yeah. And, and, yeah and, and, I can and, see the lightning in the clouds. Yes, yes, the yes. The outline and the anvils. Those are great. Last year, last year I was on a flight from, from Miami to Newark. And uh, the flight, we were, we were like offshore. I'd say maybe uh-huh. a mile or two offshore. And I was just looking at the lightning and the rain that was over... Florida, when we took off from Miami, and you can see we're heading up towards Central and then Northern Florida, and and, uh, and of course you know the flight pattern they had us skirting the skirting the weather, and that was just that's that was that's a, that was an awesome sight. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. So, what are we looking for for the weekend? Another more, more beautiful weather take us through Monday. We have uh, good weather on tap. You may get a few showers, um, but they're going to be light. Uh, they're not going to be a, a big problem. Unfortunately, we still have that high risk of rip current, mainly for um, the eastern end, as usual, until uh, Saturday evening. And then uh, conditions improve. To It's just a moderate risk then for almost the entire area. Um, and that's because we, we will be getting... Um, or we're losing that swell that is bringing in the high risk. and But we're going to substitute for that some wind-driven uh, waves that will also create some choppy conditions for the area. So uh, with seas uh, in the four to five foot range around St. Croix, and, and of course the shadowed side uh, will have less, uh, that would be on the west-southwest side of the island. Uh, same as basically true, although uh, St. John and St. Thomas are more sheltered. We're listening. We're, we're listening to that to that breakdown of uh, the, that definition of sheltered. Go right ahead. Oh well, sheltered just means that the wind is hitting the islands. It's either going around or over, and it's not hitting the water. And and the waves that are being generated by that wind are hitting the islands, and they can't get through. So the the backside, the leeward side of the islands, is generally much calmer than uh, than the unprotected side. Okay, okay, I like that. I like that. See, I, we, I, I always tell my audience uh, we want to be le- more learned by at ten a.m. than we are when we start at eight. So. I learned something here today. And, and that's also the best place to swim if you don't like the, the action. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've had some sad incidences where people uh, ignore the high uh, rip current risk and they die. Um, so we had a, a fatality just a couple days ago. Wow. Wow. L- let me ask this question. Have you ever been to the Virgin Islands? I you know, I have not yet gotten to the Virgin Islands. Well, here's what here's the reason why I asked that question. Um, St. Thomas is mountainous. St. Thomas and St. John, they're mountainous. Yes. And St. Croix is flat. So, um, well, I, I, I would like... Parts, but I, I believe that the terrain in uh, St. Croix is almost as high in the northwest corner, is it not? Uh, northwest corner... Yeah, it's 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 there's altitude, but it's not mountainous like like St. Thomas. Ah, okay. you, you you can actually you can. That's why I, I asked you that question because I want you to come over here, and 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 come to St. Croix, see it with the naked eye, and then see St. Thomas and St. John. And I believe that could actually assist you 
in in processing why weather acts the way it does here in the territory because it's 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 like two different i don't want to say universes but just two different dynamics you know indeed uh, yeah indeed if, and uh, we often see streamers forming off of some of that higher terrain uh, in st croix mm -hmm. and then moving off into the ocean for quite a quite a distance yeah 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 we we are we are for the most part flat we, we've got we've got some mountains some small i don't say mountains but some elevation on the eastern side the southeastern side and then elevation on the the northern side heading to the northwest corner that you just referenced our south side south and central predominantly flat yes uh, just very, very very flat and the trade and we winds, notice that a cotton valley often gets much warmer than than everywhere else correct. and sheltered it's sheltered correct correct one, one of my uh uh, very near and dear friends. They live up in that area. Matter of fact, that's where President Biden was uh, when he was here for his uh, New Year's uh, vacation. Uh, he was in that area. He wasn't far from Cotton Valley. Um, so, you know, at some point, you know, again, here's here, here's my suggestion. Look out for my homeboy, Robert Mitchell, to find out when he's coming to St. Croix and, and, and hitchhike with him. And he could, because his mom lives over here, and you can you can hang out with yeah. him, and, and he can hook you up with all that. And then there's a likelihood you probably wouldn't want to leave because uh, we got crazy cuisine here on Saint Croix as well. So you'd like the food, no doubt about okay. that. Okay. Yeah. And so, any precipitation for the for the for the weekend? Or are we looking um, dry? You no, know, we're we're actually, as I said, you might get a stray shower, mm -hmm. or one of those uh, streamers might actually pass uh, over, but. Uh, no significant rain uh, for the uh, foreseeable future right now. Uh, we have no real features coming in. We did get a little more tropical air come across that, and the band w uh, was the marker uh, that brought a few showers through. But behind it and ahead of it, um, the air is, is drier, and when I look at uh, the cross-sections uh, over the area, Moisture hardly reaches above seven or eight thousand feet, and when I mean moisture, you know, the there's always that really rich uh, marine layer centered right around three or four thousand feet, mm -hmm. with eighty to ninety, maybe even a hundred percent relative humidity, and then right above it, say eight, nine, ten thousand feet, zero to two percent relative humidity. Wow. So. Because most of the clouds are convective and they build in those puffy uh, vertical shapes, uh, but they hit that layer and they just it evaporates the top and it, and whenever you have uh, water evaporating into the air, it cools it and then it no longer has the buoyancy to go on up uh, beyond that. So those layers are almost impenetrable and they kill the showers. And so we're looking at that for at least the next uh, five or ten days, uh, that that mid-layer being almost completely dry. You know, I, I like I got a couple, um, couple guys on my show, and when they start using um, these multi-syllable words like you just used uh, in that description, they're convective, buoyancy, impenetrable. Uh, it's like I'm in back, back in English class. I love it. 
<laughs> I like that. Walk okay. us through. Thank well, you very much. Buoyancy, Thanks. Yeah. Uh, if you like. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go ahead um, ahead. yeah. Uh, imagine uh, a buoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting on the top of the water. Well, it's a buoy because it has bu- better buoyancy than the water than the water below it. So it has to float. Correct. And parcels of air do the same thing but on a more subtle way just like the air when you open your refrigerator you watch that air pile out of the refrigerator yeah. on the floor yeah. that's because it has less buoyancy less uh it's more dense than the air around it same wow. thing in the atmosphere wow uh and then it, um penetration where you have those clouds trying to build up to the to the uh, upwards and then they get into that drier layer and they they melt off the top they just evaporate off the top so they never quite make it in fact uh when we get those clouds off the mountains here in puerto rico i'll often see them grow up and then uh then all of a sudden the tops just detach and you just have a a, a top evaporating and you watch it disappear before your very eyes oh, man, I, i'm liking this we, we get we got to get we got to get to we're talking with our Professor Snell from uh, the uh, National Weather Service uh, in San Juan. Awesome English class here on a Friday morning to end the week. Um, Professor, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Take I'm, care. I'm looking forward to talking with you uh, real soon. Be good. All right. You got care. it. That's uh, Walter Snell uh, from uh, the Weather Service. Uh, looks like he's, he's enjoying speaking with the, with the boys. You know what I'm saying? I'm liking it. You know what I'm saying? We, so, Doc School and um, Dwayne, Dwayne Henry, uh, we got um, new verbiage to incorporate uh, in the jargon. Okay? Convective, buoyancy, impenetrable, all that good stuff. Uh, I like it. Okay? So, folks, you're heading out to the beach. Be careful. Yeah, we could crystallize it like that. Okay? Be careful. Right? Um, you know, some riptide activity. And don't forget, over there in St. Thomas now, you know. Right? We know now, Right? Better to go swimming down by Brewers Beach and Lindbergh Bay than out there on the east side there by Cokie Point and Vesup. Okay? And we know now why. Right? The leeward side a little rougher. Okay? Uh, the Great Antilles side down the Karma. Okay? So, uh, we learned something today. Um, <clears throat> we should be uh, hearing from uh, Mr. Fleming. Uh, anytime now. I don't know if he come in via the link or he calling in. He and I were actually talking yesterday um, about a report that I had um, Marisol Garcia print for me. It's a Virgin Islands WAPA final IRP report. Cause remember we had that conversation with Dwayne Henry um, when we were um, referencing Andrew Cuomo sending down um, New York Port Authority members to help us out after the hurricane for here in Puerto Rico. Okay, he he should be on. He should be on. Uh, yeah, uh, your link. Uh, uh, hopefully. Uh, hold on, let me send this here. If not linking, I just sent him a text message. He could call if he ain't linking, but he confirmed for the link. Um, yeah, we were. Talking on Wednesday, great conversation with Dwayne Henry, by the way. And while you were talking, I was doing some research. And, you know, it was interesting to see we had built up built up some uh, <clears throat> cachet. Um, of course, you know, um, then Governor Cuomo had recognized that um, the Virgin Islands has more linkage with the Northeast Corridor than we do with, with Florida. 
That's just a reality. Florida is closer in proximity, so it's easier for us to link there and we get direct flights and all that stuff. But over the years, our real connectivity with the mainland is in the northeast corridor between Washington and Boston. Uh, that's the reason why uh, when, we were in, when we were in conferences, when um, the different regions we're in with the government, EPA, Third Circuit, uh, on the legal side, um, we are with Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York for obvious reasons. Same thing with Puerto Rico. You know, a lot of our, <coughs> our um, forefathers, foremothers, um, major migration to the Northeast. So it was easy for um, Governor Cuomo to recognize this, you know, because, you know, when you in the political arena, you study demographics. And, of course, if you go to the Bronx, you know the... Um, the, we don't call them and St. Croix and the Virgin Islands, the Papa them and the Mama them. But in reality, you're, you're supposed to be politically politically correct and we are an NPR station. So um, those of uh, Puerto Rican descent, Boricua, right? You go to the Bronx, that's where they at. You know what I'm saying? Well, they're all over New York, but they own the Bronx. You know what I'm saying? The Bodegas, right? That's them. So, you know, reading that uh, article... And seeing how uh, Governor Cuomo in 2019, you know, a whole year, a uh, whole two years after, your check was was realizing we were still, you know, dealing with the the recovery and made uh, the NIPA, right, um, <clears throat> folk available for us. And then they did a report. So I was speaking with uh, Director Fleming, and he was telling me that um, this uh, Black and Rich uh, report that came out the middle of July. Uh, 2020, at this point, for the most part, it's obsolete. So I was looking forward to talking about that so you can explain that to us. But they actually had uh, on uh, one of the pages, I'm looking at it now, um, projections for um, load generation and all that stuff. And it's, it's really it's really, it's really, really dope. Yeah, that's the term we use. You know what I'm saying? This is, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy, so I like this. And they had a 20-year projection. Let me see. No, 25-year projections from 2020 to 2044. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it because I know he's going to be on. Uh, he never lets us down. In. He's one of the awesome cabinet members. So I'm looking forward to this. I got St. Croix business as usual. That's the BAU case. The St. Thomas business as usual. All that stuff, you know. You got up for St. John, though. I guess St. John is incorporated. Uh, in the St. Thomas numbers, but it's a lot of data, but he stated that for some reason, you know, as time moves on and technology, you know, advances, things happen. So we'll take a break. We'll be back. Great start to the show. Thank you, Professor Walter Snell from the Weather Service. Uh, we'll be back right after this. for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com. I'm Deepa Fernandez from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. 
we'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up, plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for Public Radio's midday news magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. The Forum, a nonprofit organization since 1996, is proud to present the 18th Water Island Festival. Two nights of eclectic music from artistic director Julian Gargiulio. Friday, January 20th and Saturday, January 21st at the Prior Jolic Hall on Antilles campus. Friday's performance. Looking Forward While Remembering the Past, and Saturdays, Looking Back While Dreaming of the Future, will feature 10 musicians in an interactive musical experience. The courtyard opens at 6, with fair from Amelia Cafe and live music from Anthony School Music Department and the UVI Steel Pan Ensemble, Pan Yard Vibes. For more info, theforumusvi.org, 646-725-725. 3353 or the forum Back in the mix, um, my engineer, you know, there's a term I used to use before, they, they want me not to stay away from it, so I tried to listen to people. It's like some engineer walking and walking and, and, and hooking me up um, with the chairman of the governing board for the WAPA Authority Energy Office Director, uh, Carl Fleming, so he and I could rap a little bit <clears throat> for the first time on the mic, on air. Because he, I, I saw him... Uh, Inauguration day for the governor. Yeah, sharp, yeah. And a nice uh, blue uh, two-piece suit. He and uh, Wayne Biggs um, was, was decked to the nines. Go check uh, for this weekend in there. So we flew back over. Uh, packed flight that day. Uh, worked our way back from St. Thomas. That's the day that the president left the territory. So flights were uh, one. Actually, our flight was morphed into the, the 340 flight. I was on the 220. It's moved into the three forty, which was perfect because uh if it was two twenty I wouldn't have make it because we were walking. You know what I'm saying? So uh so that's all we had. Uh and I'm looking forward to having on this uh discussion. Uh, uh you know what I mean? So soon as um the engineer you know say right engineer tell me that we see if uh then we go to go look. Um Wall Street has seen some turbulence this week. Let me go over that real quick. I saving the COVID numbers for when the princesses come on at nine, right? But Wall Street been struggling. Yesterday, down 252.40 points. The day before, down 613.89 points. So that's a combined, uh, let me do the math here, 866.39 points. In two days, um, two and a half percent market share. Um, right, the day before that day, like they say, St. Thomas down three ninety one. 
right? So eight sixty six and three ninety one. That's that's twelve fifty seven. That's 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 a thousand two hundred fifty seven points down, and another one point four one point one four. So that's like three almost three point seven percent market share. So and me and Dwayne Henry, we gonna break that down next week. I know Doc School waiting for it. So we breaking that down. We we actually got um, some good explanations about the different uh, indices and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to breaking that down. But in the meantime and in between time, we got the man himself, Kyle Fleming, uh, joining us, Energy Office Director. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Noah. How are you doing? Good. Power hour uh, is in effect. It'll be a it'll be a 35 minute power hour today, but uh, uh, we'll we'll make it work. How's the Energy Office and how's the Water and Power Authority making out? All, all is well to start the new year, and uh, happy new year to you and to the to the listening audience. Too. I don't know if it's too late to do happy new year. No, sir. But, no, sir. Still in January. Still in January. Honeymoon, right, honeymoon done on the thirty first. <laughs> all right, then I'll get in as much as I can. But no, we're we're doing good to start the new year. Um, there's a lot, uh, actually, a lot going on 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 both fronts. Um, one of the things that's been really really exciting for us is that uh, you know I think we've talked a lot in the past about some of the. Uh, the federal dollars from the Biden administration that that are focused on energy-related projects, and our agency has been seeing a lot of that actually started to come into fruition. Uh, so we've got a number of projects uh, across the board that we're looking to expand upon our impact uh, here in the community from everything from uh, pushing more renewable renewable energy projects to uh, increase energy efficiency incentives as well. So. We're being well supported to keep on pushing and impacting the territory. So very excited about that for 2023. Well, we're going to see the, the joint initiative from the um, insular possessions um, demanding significant um, across the across the uh, possessions, uh, infrastructural impact in particular with alternatives and all that stuff. Big money. Yeah, you know, you know it's funny. We were... I attended a, a workshop last year that brought all the insular communities together to really have a, a unified voice relative to the needs and the specific uh, nuanced needs of other small island nations that make up these insular territories. And I think, you know, from that conference to now, we've certainly already started to see increases in funding allocations for grants that we used to only get maybe 70, 700,000, we're getting $4 million for. So we're starting to see some of the the increases in support come, uh, but I think that, to your point, there's still a lot more to do because our our needs are quite vast. Now, you know, one of the things that we had, I had a great conversation on Wednesday with uh, Dwayne Henry. Um, I don't know if you, I know you've been you've been busy. You like Luther in twenty four in forty eight hours. So I don't know if you've been listening to me, but <laughs> we uh, you know, we talk about a number of things. But I'm gonna tell you straight up. Uh, Mr. Energy Office Director. Every time we talk energy, my phone will blow up. Um, <laughs> no, that's just that's just how it is. When we start talking about what about it, the people let look. <laughs> if I didn't know they were listening, I don't know then. You check what I'm saying, and and of course you know I like the interest, but I would hope that you know that interest would be when they texting me, leave Wapa alone, Wapa running perfect, power cheap, all that stuff. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Anyway. Uh, the the conversation we had <clears throat> centered around because of our isolation with the insular possessions that should mandate not have not not have the insular possessions asking for special circumstances and more resources. Um, that's that's plain for everyone to see. And because we're not grid connected, um, you know, 
that's a logical and more than justified uh, rationale uh, for this type of support. That's the reason why I asked that question. Uh, if if you and Guam, American Samoa, uh, CNMI, um, to a great extent, Puerto Rico, even though they have more clout than we do because they impact representation in Congress more than we ever could think of. You know, that's why we the special circumstances, our uniqueness, um, mandate yeah. that because one of the things that Dwayne Henry said is this is part of national security, given our location. No. So, 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 so let's talk about that. You know, with your your brain power and how you see things and the way you awesomely articulate. You know, our needs and and how our needs are America's needs as well. So, so I'll, I'll start with kind of that that joint between the the, into the territories and how we work together, kind of lean into the um, the second part of your question. So I'll give you a perfect example. So, you know, off of the strength of that uh, same conference I mentioned that we attended last year, earlier at the end of at the end of 2022, we actually had the executive director, the CEO of essentially the the WAPA of the Northern Mariana Islands, uh, came to the Virgin Islands because uh, one of the things that they were really interested in looking at was they like us, they have a number of uh, islands that surround their kind of main hub island, uh, and today they've been essentially powering them from, you know, power plants on all these smaller islands. And they were really interested in our undersea cable uh, infrastructure between St. Thomas and St. John uh, as, as a guide, as an example for them to see, you know, and incorporate strategies into their interconnection to their smaller surrounding islands. So I, I said, as I say, there is certainly a lot of interaction and value to us working together, working with the other insular territories, because we have, again, you're not going to find that type of example in Chicago or in, you know, even in Texas. You need to come to a similar a similar uh, environment, a similar kind of terrain to understand how you can maybe bring those solutions um, across the territory. So there's definitely a lot of that collaboration, you know, on the on the uh, the impact of the U.S. I mean, let's 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 be we have a perfect example of of how you know, the national security side of the concern builds from the territory to the mainland. When President Biden was here earlier this month, you know, you have a situation where that entire support network for him while he's on in the territory is still dependent on the energy system that the Virgin Islands provides. If, if not to say that they didn't have their own energy support, but, you know, they have a, that was a wide network of security support that would still lean on the backbone that is the utility and that having a stable system, having a reliable system at that level can have those type of trickle down impact in smaller instances like that and in the bigger picture as well. Well, I, you know, once the president, they, uh, you know what time it is, right? <clears throat> his his protection is, is like anything we don't see. You know what I'm saying? Or we've never seen. Right. You check, I mean, you live up on the eastern end, I had checkpoints heading up the road, right? And it's good for the economy because, you know, I had a lot of money, a lot of dollars that probably wouldn't have been here that came in and came through, right? So, you know, with, 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 uh, when one door open, another, when one door closed, another one open. So, uh, and we were glad. He's a, he's, he's a friend, he's a friend of St. Croix. And, uh, and, well, and, I mean, and we appreciate that. A lot, a lot of the same federal funding that he has brought forward and been implementing is having direct impacts on the Virgin Islands. Uh, we're already, you know, 
bring uh, bringing some of those projects to fruition. You know, as you know, the president's agenda has been incredibly aggressive on uh, transportation electrification and pushing electric vehicles and charging infrastructure. That's something that we've been well aligned with here as we as we started off last year with a bulk procurement of 25 electric vehicles and, have, and now have a charging station network underway. So, you know, the way I look at it, the, the better aligned the Virgin Islands is with the, you know, the federal and the, the president's mandate, that opens the door for us to continue to receive additional support and additional resources because we're proving that we have, again, like a shared vision in terms of how we want to transform our energy future. And you know, that makes the justifications when we're looking for grants easier. That makes, you know, open a, a wider door for opportunities more uh, readily available for us as well. So we're going to keep on that track, certainly. Good to hear that. Now, um, let, let's talk um, energy uh, distribution, uh, transmission, uh, availability to the to the people of the Virgin Islands. Um, where are we um, in the recovery right now, um, Mr. Chairman? Yeah, so we are still, so right now in terms of, I think the key pieces that we've talked about in the past uh, relative to the transmission distribution that work in the, uh, the composite pool and undergrounding uh, projects being the key focus areas there, those are continue to progress. Uh, we actually just had some discussions this past week um, uh, at the board meeting. We have a, a board meeting next week uh, for the governing board that will be discussing some uh, some extensions to some of those existing existing projects and actually increase uh, project managers and support for those T&D projects. So we're really trying to complete the uh, composite pool and undergrounding projects as quickly as possible. That's a, a key priority. We want to make sure we're getting into the 2023 hurricane season um, the transformation to the most wind-resistant uh, transmission and distribution uh, pole infrastructure is complete. Uh, so we're very much so aggressively trying to get from the 60 to 70 percent completion that, that we currently are to you know, close to 100 percent. So that those projects are well underway, but there's still some some ground to be completed um, on the on the generation side. I think that's that's really where the crux of the recovery is. Uh, because again, we talk about affordable and reliable. You know, as, as robust as our of our transmission and our pole and underground infrastructure is, if our generation isn't uh, as tight as it needs to be, as, as efficient as it needs to be, as updated as it needs to be, we're still going to be running into the cost and reliability issues. Uh, and so, as we talked about the the Wardzilla project on St. Thomas, we've got a, a Q1 goal for. For completion, not partial completion, full completion of that project, and that's one of the that's one of the recovery projects that we're most excited about. Um, the CEO has, has talked extensively about the savings that that can create instantaneously once those units are online and burning propane on, at the Harley plant, and we are within reach. Quarter one, here we are at the end of January. We're very close to seeing some of the uh, strategies that have been long talked about actually coming to fruition. So we're very excited about what to come in the next few months. That's 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 good news for the people. Now, one of the things we suggested was a, 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 a Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority task force um, <clears throat> of no more. We originally had settled on 12, but um, we want to include one island representative from each island, so we take that to 15. And, and that would include um, Chamber of Commerce representation, island, uh, uh, island community representatives, 
um, obviously elected officials and things of that nature. Um, so that so we could actually find out what, what you know how how are we going to move forward, right? And even when we reach the best case scenario, if that's realized and we get a reduction in costs, improve of uh, efficiency, um, all that good stuff that we still keeping in contact uh, with the ratepayers, whether it be uh, commercial or residential. Um, because, uh, so I was Googling that. I, I, so I went on a point Virgin Islands, WAPA uh, task force. The last time we had a task force was in 1999, man. Uh, yeah, you still been in grade school. Your check, when, um, yeah, when we were thinking about selling selling the, uh, the authority to, to Southern Energy. You check, this is, so that's, that's 23, 24 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, um, because... One of the mistakes we make, um, director, and I know as an agency head, you, you know about this. You reach, you reach where you want to reach, and then you get stagnant. You get complacent, mm -hmm. and and you should always be looking at, you know, where you want to be down the road. So um, that's something that we think. Now somebody was saying we don't need no more task force. We already know what we need. It's not about need at this point. It's about making sure that, you know, even if we have the direction and we have the resources that once we get to where we want to go, we don't ever go back to where we were in the worst-case scenarios. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, actually, when I think of, when I think of the, the importance of, of moving forward in our near term, uh, it's really to create a foundation where we can start to really push the envelope. Like, you know, I think a lot of the projects that we've talked about, you know, we talk about the Woodzillas, we talk about, um, you know, New Generation of St. Croix. I guess those are... Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, we, we know those are impactful, but at the end of the day, they're not necessarily the, they're not like the headline worthy stories. When you hear about, you know, a, 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 a Hawaii just, I just was reading an article last week uh, where Hawaii just signed up, the, I think the cheapest um, PPA for a solar battery utility scale solar farm, you know, kind of industry groundbreaking type of headline. Those are the types of stories we want, but I, I, the reality is we're not going to get there until we correct the foundational issues that we have. So mm -hmm. we're in this zone where my thought is once we can, the, the project that we're working on now, it's not even just about taking a step forward. It's really about creating that foundation where we could really start to push the envelope on really transformative projects, things that get the attention of the world, because I think we certainly have the opportunity to do that. We just haven't been in a position where from our foundation that we could actually do that. And that's why some of these projects, again, they're not the sexiest projects in the world from a, you know, from a headline standpoint. They're not going to say the attention grabbers. They, they certainly have an effect on our rates, and that's important. But really what I look at is not nowhere near getting to stagnation. It's really setting this foundation so we can start pushing forward even faster uh, than we've been, because that's really been a limiting factor for us. We're got, we going to take a break on that, on that well-articulated uh, description there of where we are, where we want to be, and all that stuff. Energy and power hour in full effect with Energy Office Director Kyle Fleming. Be back right after this. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. Right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.
If it's happening around the world... NPR's Frank Langfitt is in London covering this one. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Cuba is experiencing its biggest anti-government protests. If it's happening here at home... On a blistering hot day in Twin Falls, Idaho... On the northeast border of Mississippi, where the river nourishes rich and green... Morning Edition from NPR News will take you there, wherever the story is. Listen every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hola, soy Isabela Gómez ayudando a Smokey Bear porque él tiene mucho más que decir que solo Solo tú puedes prevenir incendios forestales Si estás afuera disfrutando de una barbacoa después de una larga caminata asegúrate de no tirar tus brasas o cenizas calientes al suelo porque podría provocar un incendio forestal Toma en serio la prevención de incendios forestales y salvemos el mundo un día a la vez Juntos con Smokey Bear podemos hacerlo Ve a SmokeyBear.com para obtener más información Presentado por el Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos Su ingeniero forestal, estatal y el Ad Council And we are back here and uh, analyze this, uh, the Power Hour, first edition for 2023. And we've got Energy Office Director Kyle Fleming, who also doubles as the chair of the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority Governing Board on the line. Good morning, sir, Mr. Director. Good morning, good morning again. Thank you. Okay, good. Now, you know, this conversation that we had on Wednesday, you know, I'm doing my recon uh, during the show. And I saw where, um, and this was, I guess, in your first year as the Energy Office Director, um, where uh, Governor Cuomo had sent down some NIPA, uh New York Port Authority. I mean, New York, New York, um, uh, power, New, New York, York power, power, New York Power Authority, right? New York Power Authority, um, folks, uh, to assist us in the recovery. Of course, we were two years removed um, by that time. Um, what was that like? Um, and did you have, um, I know you were on the board, but you weren't the chairman at that time. This is 2019. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what was that like, um, to have, uh, well, first of all, to know that, uh, Governor Cuomo recognized that Virgin Islands and Puerto Rican influence, uh, in the Northeast, in particular in New York is unquestionable, uh, unquestioned. That's number one. And number two, that we had that type of, uh, assistance here because one of the things the governor uh had mentioned along with the delegate was you know our clear lack of capacity in critical areas yeah so so just a, a little bit of backstory on top of uh the nightly interaction so one of the, the beauties of some of the engagement that the authority has uh, one of those strong relationships is with the american public power association so as a as a semi-autonomous a you know, quasi-government agency we are considered a public power entity. So okay. the, the difference there being that, you know, some utilities are private, like privately owned or investor owned, 
uh, throughout, the, throughout the continental U.S., and some are similar to us, where they're either municipality-owned or state-owned, um, so there's some different structures. So we fall under the umbrella of public power, as, as many other authorities do, and NIPA is also uh, a public power entity uh, that's going to be based in New York. And so through our affiliation with the American Public Power Association, which is a, a entity that puts on a number of continued education programs, conferences, that's actually one of the major um, networking and, and industry exposure uh, events that we as the board attend as part of the American Power Public Power Association. And that connection is what also facilitated that uh, technical support and technical assistance that uh, Governor Cuomo through NIFA was able to provide to the Virgin Islands. So uh, I just wanted to highlight that as a, you know, as one of those enablers for some of the support comes through our strategic strategic affiliations with these larger uh, uh, continental U.S.-based organizations, groups that the primary goal is to connect like um, utilities similar to us as well. And it really was. It really was a great experience. That we had generation experts that were uh, on site. I did meet with a number of them um, through those little early days. I call it the early days of the recovery, even though it was a year or so after the storm. But that's when we were really starting to get into not just the immediate response, but really starting to plan moving forward. So everything from, you know, looking at our generation system, looking at the project management within, because we had so many, what the thing that's important to remember is there were so many projects that were added to the plate uh, of the authority following the 2017 storms, being able to have that support to better understand how to strategically manage the number, the, just the sheer volume um, of pr- critical projects from generation, transmission, distribution, and even still the continued repair of the uh, of the damaged system as well. Incredibly valuable. Um, it's also good to have other eyes on the on the problem. You know, for, from the standpoint of they've seen people from the, the NIPA organization have seen problems that maybe we haven't been exposed to or can highlight areas that we should be maybe looking at given the fact that there's higher risk based off of maybe experiences they've had through their organization or maybe other utilities that they've worked with. So it's always valuable for us to have uh, more eyes on the myriad of issues that we're contending with. And NIPA's role, I think, is we're still feeling the, the benefits of that now as we've, we've still progressed over the last few years. That's good. And and not only that, um, reciprocity, you know, because remember now, they get hit by hurricanes, Sandy, and different hurricanes. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So... I mean, 2011, right? In 2011, um, we had a hurricane that that hit us, uh, that rolled through here the Sunday, right? The Sunday night into the early Monday morning. And we, did, we didn't get a full blast of it, right? And then it reached New York uh, maybe seven days later. Mm-hmm. And if remember the, the storm, it had a couple storms that flooded out Brooklyn and the subway system and all that stuff. Right, uh, uh, and I was in Florida because I had flown to Florida the Thursday. Um, uh, and there are times when you know, regardless of how how big you be or how good you be, um, you need manpower and woman power. You know what I'm saying to help you get get you back to base. So it's it's good to build these relationships, right? Yeah, and you know, even even on top of that as well, just not just on the human resources bandwidth, but just the experience bandwidth. You, you talk about Hurricane Sandy. You know, I think one of the one of the key uh, kind of support lines that they were able to extend to us, given their prior experiences, is how to navigate the federal 
uh, emergency management or the FEMA, you know, challenges, right, in terms of being able to mobilize the resources that FEMA provides. FEMA yeah. was Hurricane Irene. Really, this one was Hurricane yeah. Irene. Oh, Irene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, you, I, might, I, you, I, might, you should, you should have been, you should remember Irene. You've been, you been up that way, right? It, it, it hit me. It, it came up to Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurricane Irene, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, but those those being able to navigate all of those again, like even like this, this the FEMA process through mobilizing those funds to support the recovery, that was another great tool, uh, technical assistance tool that the NIFA team was able to you know, assist us in navigating as well. Uh, knowing that this is you know, kind of probably since Maryland, maybe we hadn't had to deal with that level of, um, and you know, even this was such a such a more traumatic experience across all three islands. Uh, it was incredibly valuable having that resource available to us. Um, and you know, for the most part, it was it, a lot of the, the costs associated with that were covered as well. So we didn't even have to we didn't have to be further burdened to enable this type of support and resource, which is which is key for us. Wow! Yeah, I, I was just looking at, at the history of this. Right, formed August twenty first, dissipated August thirtieth. It became extra tropical after August twenty eighth. So check this out. Right, um, designated as a tropical storm on August twentieth. After intensifying, Irene made landfall in St. Croix as a strong tropical storm later that day. Early on August 21st, the storm made a second landfall in Puerto Rico, right? Then the storm paralleled offshore of Hispaniola. Shortly before making four landfalls in the Bahamas, Irene peaked at 120 miles per hour. Then it goes on. Thereafter, the storm leveled off in intensity as it struck the Bahamas and then curved northward. After passing east of Grand Bahama, continuing to weaken, Irene was downgraded to Category 1 before making landfall on the outer banks of North Carolina in 27, becoming the first hurricane to make landfall in the United States since 2008. Later that day, re-emerged into the Atlantic uh, from southeastern Virginia. After Irene remained a hurricane over the water, it weakened to a tropical storm, making yet another landfall in Little Egg Inlet in southeastern New Jersey. A few hours later, made ninth and final landfall in Brooklyn and then transitioned to an extra-tropical cyclone while striking Vermont. That's when it walked your way, right? After remaining inland as a tropical cyclone for less than 12 hours. So that remaining inland part probably was when it, it, it touched up touch area in Boston. Can you imagine this? All this, all this in the space of nine, ten days, you know? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always remember. I remember that storm because that was a, that was the first hurricane. You know, we had experienced blizzards in Boston. That was the first hurricane I experienced there. Mm. You know, I thought I went far away from the Caribbean. Couldn't couldn't imagine still experiencing wow um, hurricane environment. But what was funny is the day. I think it was maybe the day before because you know there people don't really worry about it, especially for something like that. Like you would think that it was just going to dissipate. It, it almost dissipated so many times. I don't think anybody expected it to keep keep strength. But then the day before, day or two before, it was scheduled to impact Boston. I remember going to Target to say, let me go get a, you know, maybe a couple of bottles of water because they did announce that there was likely going to be power outages. And this is a major city, right? Um, I, I remember going to my neighborhood Target and there wasn't even a scented candle in the aisle. Clean out. Mm-mm. Out. Wow, and, and you and you come from somewhere that's that's in the hurricane play, hurricane zone. Wow. Mm-mm. Yeah, nah, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I like I like I like reading stuff like that because it really gives you perspective as to the uncertainty that we deal with when it comes to these type of storms. No, I, I, absolutely, and that's and that's why I think we're you know when when we think about the lessons learned from how to manage 
uh, or best practices and how to manage you know all these potential situations is why it's important to understand how you know New Orleans reacts to a hurricane or you know even California could because it could happen anywhere right and and at the end of the day the the infrastructure that we rely on is, is fairly similar across all these locations. So being able to understand that and things can evolve quickly, things can be impacted quickly, and being better prepared to respond based off of all this historical you know, data and case studies that we have to reference, it's, it's, it's so valuable. No, no one can just assume that they're perfectly safe from the natural disasters that can not be going our way. Not at all. Quickly, um, you and I spoke yesterday about the the uh, Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority final IRP report that was released uh, in uh, summer of uh, 2020, and you were telling me, um, for the most part, th- this this document ain't in play. Why is that? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I mean, so but by, by ain't in play, I would say it's more so it's it's a it's it's a reference guide that uh, I would argue needs some tweaking. Um, you know, it's something that we, it was, a, I think, a very helpful exercise that we uh, undertook. And, you know, well, it came out in 2019, but that was from work that started from, you know, almost even before the storm. So it was, um, you know, now three years later, four years later, almost, uh, as quickly as this industry evolved, we just recognized that while there were some assumptions that were made at the time, that I think we're certainly in a place now as we're looking at the different changes, the different, te- like, for example, battery storage was nowhere near as prevalent or accessible or as common as a commodity in utility planning in 2017, 2018. Now it's, you know, it's basically, it's, it's almost one of the first topics when you look at what really kind of the next step is going to be. So it, it's not to say that it's not valuable. I think that because the industry has changed so quickly and because, um, you know, our, our challenges have still been mounting, I think that there's a... Uh, there's a second iteration. I think it's a good foundation in terms of a reference for the type of generation resources, because that's really what the IRP is. It, it's saying looking at this kind of network of generators, whether it's generators, batteries, solar, um, wind, whatever the waste of energy, different combinations of energy sources, what that can mean to um, meeting the needs of the Virgin Islands. And I think, again, it, it was a good foundation of the different options for generation that we can leverage in the territory. But I think an updated version of that, taking into account the rapid advancements of the technology that's available that can really have more impact today than we might have been able to realize four or five years ago, is important to make sure that we're, we're planning for the next 10 to 20 years. We're thinking, looking at it through today's energy lens, not through even five years ago's energy lens. Yeah, this, this, they said this report, uh, the date I got here is July 21st, 2020. And this was commissioned, or or this came about as a result of the hurricanes? No, this this was this was actually something to play because they had done one before in I think it was twenty fourteen. So the, so typically so typically some utilities, um, I think it was like maybe like North Carolina for example, uh, their public service commission or their equivalent of the public service commission, I think requires that all of their utilities conduct an IRP every at a minimum every two years. Some places require it happen every year. I think on average, it's usually every two years. So this is a pretty standard practice from a utility standpoint. For that point, exactly as quickly as the industry evolves, you want to make sure you're not thinking about obsolete solutions um, in a fast-moving space. But, so, but we don't have that kind of strict mandate. So we, ha- we did one in 2014, and then they did this one, I think, in 2020. 
Um, I think realistically, we should be in a better cadence of, you know, iterating this 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 kind of portfolio of uh, of generation uh, options for us. Um, but that yeah, so that was it. So there's been two in the last decade. Probably we need to get to the point where again, every two, at least maybe every three years, okay. we're going through this exercise. Yeah. Um. When I, when I look at it from that standpoint, when you talk about the the windows, um, I, I look at the census. And and in our case, I, I believe um, we should look at a 2025 mid-decade uh, census, given the fact that the 2020 census was smacked by the pandemic. And yeah. there are so many dynamics and all that stuff. So hopefully, uh, maybe we could petition uh, the federal government to do something in 2025. Maybe not a full scale, but something, you know, to... to, 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 to to actually update where we were because 2020 was not a normal year as it relates to gathering data um, that, like we normally do for a census. Well, I know one of the one of the key things that I've heard about that, and actually, you know, because my my um, my mom actually worked with the census during the during that time. I think one of the key, the challenges on top of the COVID reality that we had was also the fact that I think we weren't able, like stateside, they were able to do uh, digital census. Um, data collection, mm-hmm. but we weren't able to do that here. So, so you know, in the in the states, not only were they they had to deal with the COVID challenges, but they at least had other options for data collection, where we were still limited to the door to door, the manual data collection. Yeah, the manual, manual, the, the manual approach. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So that, that that inherently is, I think, add some flaw or some inaccuracy to our numbers. So but then, but then you know, you, you, you bring up a good point. Now we're going to a break, and I'm going to cut you off now. I'm going to wait till we come up on the top of the hour, and then I'm going to transition to the Department of Health. But maybe we need some town halls um, to prepare the the population for censuses. Instead of just telling them, well, every 10 years we come in to get our information. You follow what I'm saying? And we could, and that could work towards that digital dynamic that you're referencing. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll wrap up the power hour on the backside of the, the, the 9 o'clock break. And then uh, we'll get the Department of Health here in the mix. Be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. These days, people go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga... At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. The news nowadays is a bit like our weather, much more extreme. The headlines that grab the most attention generate a lot of heat and not much light. On 1A, we rely on your questions and stories to help us better understand the issues that demand more than a few tweets. With your help, we'll get to the heart of the story together. Catch 1A at its new time, weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.